few people that can operate on pretty consistent like four or five hours of sleep. I am not one of those people. I need as much as I can get. That's like average human being needs quite a bit of sleep. Sure. I am one of those average human beings that needs quite a bit of sleep. You heard it here, folks. Aaron, average guy, average human being. I am as average as it gets. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Um, anyway, build an internal podcast. The, we, here we are. Another episode of In the Buildwood Internal Podcast. Yeah, Thanksgiving week. I know. I've gotten really good at setting up and tearing down this podcast studio. And I think... We're just about done with that, though. We don't have to... Oh, that's what I'm saying. I don't think continue to do we're it. We're maybe done. Um, yeah, because we had... Uh, so, I mean, we had pictures in here this weekend, mm-hmm. which is why you had to make it look pretty. I would have preferred to keep it all up, but... It, it does give a certain vibe, but I think... Just with, I mean, like the room's not like wired for production. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like we've got all these ports in the walls, so all the cabling is running the walls. Yeah, like it could be that way, I guess. But it's just like hard to hide. You know, we've fifty cables all the time. The next one, the next one, it will be. Oh, built, build in all that shit. It's yeah. going to be cool. But but now I think now I think you can make it what it needs to be here. For sure. Like like with the video set up, like with the monitor thing yeah. for me, I've like specifically not spent really any thought or brain space on getting that like tightened up because it's like I'm having to take it apart all the time. Mm-hmm. And so like now it's like, okay, there, there's not like new carpet coming in. There's not mm-hmm. a new table coming in. You know, we, we, we had this like white part added, yeah. which was awesome. And like, I'm so glad we did, but like I had to undo everything, you know, so there's just been a lot of that. And so it's like, I don't want to fool with something that I'm definitely going to have to change in two months. Well, I am going to use the podcast studio as an analogy for the company okay, and where we're headed. Sure. So we had limited information and understanding of what the studio needed to be when we were building it. Because at least I've never been in a podcast studio consistently before. No. And you haven't either. So we had to take what we know about podcasting and our show and what we need and get with Molly and the architects and the contractors to say, this is what we think we need. Mm-hmm. So we put it together. We come in, We came in here and we started to use it. Right away, we noticed, hmm, hmm there's some problems. Uh, the desk is not big enough. Uh, the sound sucks in here, so we need sound paneling. Oh no, the sound paneling didn't do it. So now we think we need carpet because... The sound in here is not that great. And then there's sound coming up from the bottom. Mm-hmm. And ah, the lighting, we have these fluorescent lights, but maybe we need to get a, a cool light. And how should our guests sit? And maybe we should be doing this on video. It's been a, an iterative process for the past four months. Mm-hmm. And we are at a point right now that's substantially different than when we started. That's where we're going as a company. That's what we've been doing. And that's what we're going to do Faster and faster and faster and faster, especially over the next six months with this investment. Like for video, for example, I was talking to uh, Randy this morning. All of the training videos we're making right now, the best stuff we have right now for build the training that the platform we're putting together, all of that's likely going to be redone, completely redone in the not so distant future. Yeah. But the the struggle is we need to do it, put it out to the marketplace, gather that feedback, and then say, okay, this is how we can do it better. Right now, we don't have that information, though. The only way to learn that is to just put it out in the marketplace 
and gather that feedback. Mm-hmm. So it's that iterative process. I think every part of our business, it frustrates some people because some people like to just do it right once. Sure. But when you're doing something that's never been done before, you can't do it right once because you don't know how to do it right. Yeah. So we're just trying. And so you just have to try and put it out there, see how the market reacts, get that feedback and iterate. So it's better mm-hmm. to put a product that is less refined, that isn't perfect, that might even make you cringe a little bit out into the marketplace so you can get that feedback so you can start iterating faster than trying to make the thing perfect over an annual period. Do you think that approach is pretty like in line with companies and products through the years that are basically walking into a space where nothing like what they're going to offer exists? Like, yeah. Does that seem pretty typical? And how you have to do it. Yeah. I mean, even go to Apple, read about some of their early products. They were garbage. Yeah. They were total trash. Like look up the Lisa computer, for example. It was a stupidly expensive computer that didn't do a whole lot. That didn't sell very well. Mm-hmm. They didn't hit it out of the park day one. It was, and that's, you don't hear about that. You don't study all of the failures you look at the iPhone be like, wow, they really hit it out of the park. They knew something everybody else didn't. Well, they knew something that everybody else didn't because they had 30 years of trying other stuff to figure out what mm-hmm. people really wanted and needed to get to that point. You don't hear about those 20, 30 years. Mm-mm. You just hear about the iPhone. That's what every single company that's ever done anything you're making it up, you're seeing how it goes, and then you're going to the next one. That's, that's, if you already knew where you were going, then someone else would already be there. Yeah, like we, we would already have a roadmap. Yes. To follow them along. Yes, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be doing what we're doing if someone's already done it. It would make it a hell of a lot easier. Um, but that's the, also the value and the potential opportunity here is that someone hasn't done it. We're going to be the ones to do it. It's going to be really frustrating. We're going to create some really stupid, crappy products along the way. That's not to say we're intending to make stupid and crappy products. It's not like, let's go ahead and get those out of the way. No, no, but that's just the reality of the situation. I mean, even let's let's look at it from a a rational standpoint, like like leaders. We thought leaders was going to do a lot better than it did. In, In fairness, we paused any kind of growth on leaders, any kind of intentional campaign behind leaders pretty quick after it launched because we recognized that, hey, we actually need to do more elementary training and the investment and this and that. Yeah. So it's just, it's kind of been on the back burner. Were we, does that mean we were wrong on leaders? No, I think leaders content's essential for the industry long-term and essential to our big picture play right now. But uh, we were wrong in the fact that we thought that was the silver bullet uh, it wasn't, which is why now we're creating training, more elementary content, because that's what the industry said. We put leaders out there. The industry said, cool, but what we really need is basic construction and basic equipment operation and how to read a grade stake. We need the basics. We need to bring people up as quickly as we can right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, we can do that. So it's it's easy to say, okay, well, wow, we just wasted all of this money on leaders. Shoot, but we did it. Because we wouldn't be here right now if we hadn't gone through that entire process. Yeah. You well, know? Well, it's like the the leader's content and just maybe like the idea of that project as a whole. I mean, we, it could be baked into what like 
the training platform and content eventually becomes. It will be a component of it. Yeah. And so like, obviously that's still like really valuable and, you know, the kind of marketing push and how we were getting the, um, like founding members and all of that, those aren't, that's not wasted. No. It was sort of just like, well, that's the next thing to try and see how that works and see, you know, what can we learn from that? Um, actually that's, I'll ask a question about that actually. Sure. Is there a plan, and I'm sure there is, but I'm just, I guess I'm asking it this way. Is there a plan to like serve and um, I guess it's like continue to bring value to the companies that like became founding members for leaders if we aren't like putting as much like energy and whatever towards build with leaders at this point? Because yeah. like they came on and obviously that's a lot of money from a lot of them. Are they still, is there still ways for us to like provide them the value that they gave for Build It Leaders? Well, they're they're actually going to get substantially more value because originally they came on for just Build It Leaders. And, but we just said, well, we really recognize the greater opportunity here is training, social app, so on and so forth. So now they're going to be, they're front and center alongside our partners with getting onto these platforms okay. and the, the further, the, the projects we're doing right now before anybody else which is going to give them a significant competitive advantage. Good. There are early adopters. So there's cool. actually more value, way more value than what they signed up for. The whole founding members thing, I know that was a whole cluster. Sure. We needed we needed capital. Yeah. We need money. And and because we're we're doing something that hasn't been done before and we're building a software product. The construction industry if you haven't noticed isn't all that adept and and doesn't always enjoy technology. They like bulldozers and dirt and materials and buildings and land. They like stuff that you can see. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to go pre-sell my way into success here. Mm -mm. I need capital up front to go develop it, to bring it to market. Then I'll get capital on the back end. And I say, I build with company. I, uh, so instead of giving up equity, we thought, well, shoot, there's a lot of companies out there with a lot of capital. We have the solution to what is one of their biggest problems or a solution to one of their biggest problems. Why don't we, it, we're not going to ask for a ton of money. Like we asked, I think it ended up being on the high end, $35,000, which sounds like a lot to you and me. That was like the biggest option, right? Yeah. Like there were other tiers maybe? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Like that? there were smaller tiers. But when you're a company doing hundreds of millions of dollars a year, 35 grand, not very much money. Yeah. And we were, we were going to give them some things for that, to go raise capital up front, to go put it in a software product, to go build it, bring it to market. Then we recognized, we raised about a half million dollars doing that. Then we recognized that we're going to need more than this. We're, we're, there's, there's no way we do this quickly and effectively without external capital, mm -hmm. significant external capital. So that's when we made the realization. And again, it's all about iterating. If we hadn't done founding members, we probably wouldn't have got to the whole, hey, we need capital thing as quickly as we did. Yeah. We got to the whole capital thing and we had a plan to go do another version of founding members, like founding members 2.0. The merit is still there, but now that this capital is potentially coming in, we're likely going to play that hand at a later date. And essentially use that founding members program as, you know, you raise money in different rounds. So right now we're in a series seed round, which is pre-series A. Yeah. The next round will be series A. 
And so Series A will essentially be what our founding members program was, but it's it's not going to say, hey, here's what we think we can do. It's here's the product, go try it. Here's the pre-sales we've already achieved. Here's our revenue right now. Here's our team. Here's where we're going. Here's what's in development. Here's where our valuation stands today. Do you want to be a part of this? Because sure, we're somewhere right now, but we're going really far down the road and we want you to be a part of that. And that's when we'll be able to raise what we think will be quite significant capital. Sure. I think it's been interesting thinking about just investment and buildment in general, not necessarily, um, you know, the the deals that you know you've been working on in the past, you know, month and month and a half, whatever. In that, like, we have to make something now to prove that we like our company has you know significant value, because like right now you've said you know like our, say our company is worth five million dollars. Well, if we look to go get a certain amount of investment that costs a certain amount of like equity. And this is just, mm-hmm. you know, startup 101, I guess. But if we increase what our company is worth, just like our valuation, then we can get a larger amount of money for a smaller share of, of equity. Correct. And like, that's like the whole point of all of all these, you know, fundraising and all these things is we, we need to get out there so we have something to prove. Well, and then, but here's the tricky thing about valuation is there's a component of it that is rational and rooted in numbers. And you look at revenue and profitability and assets and so on and so forth. And you put it into a formula and you can, okay, so this company is worth that. Um, And then there's the irrational side of investment. There's the Mm -hmm. part of the investment that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That like gut feeling. If I say I'm going to go raise money at a $100 million valuation, that can be completely made up. I just need you to believe <laughs> that my company is worth $100 million right now. Yeah. And that not only is it worth $100 million, but whatever you're getting at that $100 million valuation is a bargain compared to where it's going. And that is where the story comes in. That's where the emotional play comes in. And it's not manipulation. It's just, hey, this is pretty compelling and trying to get them to see what we see. So we need to show them something, but it doesn't all need to make sense either. It needs to be just enough to sell that story, to convince them that, okay, what I'm paying right now is a fair price for that future value. I want to be along for that ride. Like what people are buying Tesla at makes no sense right now. Mm -hmm. Zero sense, zero, 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 zero sense when you're valuing that business traditionally. Like it's far more valuable and it has been for a while than Ford. Ford makes a lot more cars and a lot more money and is a lot more profitable. So why would Tesla be worth more than Ford? That's proven to make tons of money for decades and decades and decades and decades. It's because people are buying into that story. People are buying into that future vision of, okay, yes, it's expensive right now, but where this thing is going, that's something I want to be along the ride for. That's the side of investing money that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think the whole crypto market is constantly trying to do a similar thing. You know, there's those stories of people who bought, you know, Bitcoin at like 70 bucks a coin. 
that are now, you know, they're like, what, 50,000, 60,000 bucks a piece now? Mm-hmm. That's like, of course, they look like geniuses, but like at the time, it, it was only worth $70. You know, like it, you yeah. had to believe, you're like, well, this might be something. And so, you know, whatever they're saying about it. And so all these other um, like cryptocurrencies that have popped up, especially in the last probably two years, which I feel like that's certainly been like the initial boom. Everybody's trying to like come up with a story why like this is the next one. Correct. Like and this is why it's special. Oh, and that's why most people are buying cryptocurrency. That's why, uh, like, like, like I was reading, you know, lottery tickets, for example. They don't make any sense. They don't. And they're bought by the most poor people within society consistently. And I mean, they, some of these people spend more than, than what they have saved up in, a, in an annual period. It's, it's insane. Why is that? It's because there's that one little glimmer of hope that says, maybe I hit it big and my life changes forever. And so people have heard these stories about the whole cryptocurrency thing. Shoot, like if I pick one of these things, and I know the odds aren't very good, but there's, there's a chance that I can hit it big. And that's really exciting. And so I'm going to get in on that. And now, it's all... Well, it's also like normal people can do it like that. And that's, that's the similarity to the lotto ticket. Correct. You know, you don't have to be a venture capitalist in order to buy the story of, of something that's new that you hope will kind of hit it big. It's like, I'm a normal person and I can put down a normal person amount of money and it might work out for me in the way that, you know, Facebook worked out for their initial investors or yeah. you know, whatever it is. Yeah. But, it, but the funny thing is also... <laughs> You also only hear about the success stories. You don't learn, you don't hear, hear about the people mm-hmm. that have been completely ruined on cryptocurrency. And that's probably the vast majority. Yeah. Like most people have not made fortunes on cryptocurrency. Most people have been obliterated by it because they get in, it's exciting, there's that potential, it's it's addicting, it's easy to do. There's no controls to it whatsoever and you start to get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into it realistically, you have no idea what you're doing. And then the people that do think they know what they're doing are the ones that are at the most risk because now they're, now they think they know what they're doing and they're, or maybe they've had a little success even. And now they're thinking, oh, I'm smart. I understand cryptocurrency. You, Alex, don't, but I do. Mm -hmm. They get their ass handed to them. Well, yeah, there's so little context still at this point. You know, it's, you can say, you know, you you understand the, the principles of cryptocurrency and the promise of cryptocurrency but like it's still one of those things that's it's totally made up right now we're all just like you're betting on its future value Mm -hmm. like any any other investment yeah and yet there's no like real context or information on like what's what's the story other than hopefully enough people buy it that it makes mine more valuable well and that's what that's what drives bubbles is there's that story and there becomes that inertia of holy shit, it's going up. Mm-hmm. So I need to be a part of that. And then, oh, wow, now it's going up even more. So now you need to be a part of that. And we all just start rushing into it and drive it up, drive it up, drive it up, drive it up, drive it up. And then, oh, shoot, it's not actually worth <laughs> $60,000 each or whatever yeah. it is. And it, you know, drops. Now, the other crazy thing is, okay, sure, it, it goes up 60 and then it drops to 30. I mean, it's it's terribly volatile. Drops to 30. Now, I might know, and my horizon might be, well, I'm in it for, you know, two decades. I don't care what it does. Mm-hmm. It's eventually going to go up. 
but you could just be one of those guys at your computer back home trying to make it big. You just see most of your savings get halved in a 12 hour period, or you went to bed and it was this, you wake up and it's that you panic and sell. Now you just halved your money pretty quick. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's a wacky, wacky deal. But anyway, cryptocurrency. Big yes. Fan. So you're saying build with cryptocurrency, kind of the same thing. Sure. Yeah. There we go. I don't, full disclosure, I don't own any cryptocurrency. Uh, I did jokingly buy some Dogecoin that I... That was, I think, a good investment. I kind of got rid of it eventually. I was like, this is stupid. I don't know. Dude, it's going to the moon, man. Investing terms only. Uh, I do still own some GameStop game <laughs> stock. Because I'm just like, this is hilarious. Yeah. You know, I think I've turned $10 into $50 or something like that. That's a that's a, a big gain. If you wanna if you wanna read something funny, look into the whole GameStop short squeeze. That's like if you haven't looked at that, it's hilarious. If yeah, if you haven't looked into that, it's one <laughs> hell, one hell of a story. Yeah, that's great. Uh-huh. So Sick. one of the few few moments in recent history where the little guy has taken it to the big guy. I love it. And yet the big guy still wins at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still finds a way to win. The system is gamed against us. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember with, you know, Robinhood, kind of that, the app where, you know, a normal person could start buying those stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, they like made it that like you couldn't buy it anymore. Yeah, they and they're fr- just like, they oh, well, you know, because of this and yeah. this and this. It's like, Sounds like that was just like a, uh, the big guy said, don't let people do that. And because they're in bed with the big guys yeah. now. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just, it's amazing how rigged the whole system is. Yeah. Yeah. The house always wins. The house always wins. The only way to win in a casino is to leave immediately after you enter. <laughs> Get out. Is <laughs> <laughs> to enjoy the free drink they put in front of you while you were uh, losing money. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to win. Yep. Anyway. But yet. And going back to the whole psychology thing, this is what I read about all weekend. People go to casinos and spend money anyway. Anyway. Knowing yeah. that the house always wins. Why is that? Because there's just that little shred of maybe I hit it big and my life changes forever. For the most part. Sometimes it's like, oh, I got $100. Like, you're just having fun. There's those people too that are recreational. But it's like, why is there that old lady that sits there and gambles her social security check away? every single week, why is she still there? Because at this point, it's a lot of social security checks that she's put in that slot machine. It's that potential that life might change forever. What's what's the term called sunk cost bias? Or the yeah. sunk cost fallacy? Yeah, 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 Where it's like, well, I've already put this much money into it, so I need to keep putting money into it because eventually my odds are going to improve yeah. and I'm going to then eventually win it all back. Which is a proven horrible strategy. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason they call it a fallacy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah, your sunk cost. And and yeah, because you've put so much in, you just keep going in and in and in and it's painful to watch from the outside. Yeah. Anywho, um when's the last time you were in a casino? Um not too long ago. I went to Vegas six, oh, that's right. six weeks ago. That's right. For a meeting. Did I gamble? No. no. I've never gambled in Vegas. Not fun. I've never gambled. Period. I felt like an idiot the one time I did it, I'm like just like at a blackjack table. I think I was there for 15 minutes. I'm like, this is stupid. I don't enjoy this. I have better ways to just completely get rid of money and not get anything out of it. I would. I don't do it because I think I'd just like it too much. 
And I mean, that's why I haven't done drugs. Yeah. It's like, it might be awesome. They're probably and- pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. I haven't smoked weed or any, anything. Cause it's, I just, and it's like, if you smoke weed, cool, man. I mean, a lot of kids I know growing up and in college and sure. I mean, just today it's yeah. like pretty common, but for me personally, I just think I'd like it too much. Do you think you have, um, like an addictive personality, like in general, just like, if I get into something, I'm getting really into it. Yeah, I there's definitely some of that. And there's just, I don't know. I think everybody has addictive tendencies. Yeah. It's like you look at how rampant alcoholism in society is. It You got to keep that in check mm-hmm. or else it'll sneak up on you quick. I mean, that's why, like, even video games. I don't play video games because I, dude, I get in way too deep. And then I've, I keep joking with Matt Briscoe. If, if someone bought me an Xbox and some games, just, I would look be looking for a new job. <laughs> if you see me playing playing video games, polish up your resume. Get out of there. And, yeah, because I, I just, I get so deep into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, wait, uh, it is six o'clock in the morning. Didn't I start this at lunchtime yesterday? Yep. Yeah, well, in college, there was this game that came out that I played in high school or middle school, and they've like remastered it. And Which I, I didn't go to college or I didn't go to class for four weeks. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, which game was it? Uh, Skyrim. Oh, there you go. Yep. Yeah. You, you wouldn't be the only one. It's one of those games, like the games that get me are the ones where it's just this whole virtual world. And it's endless. And you can just wander. Yeah. Yeah. It, dude. Yeah. Because there's no... There's like no sense of progress or anything like that or whether you're playing online. At least you know how many games you've played or there's like a point in which you're sitting in the lobby waiting for the next game. So you can at least think, wow, I've been playing a lot. If you're just immersed in this digital world, <laughs> there's there's no sense of what's going on outside of that. What's well, funny, that's like similar to, we were talking about the difference for me, like listening to podcasts when I run versus a song you know, if you're if you're playing those games like the multiplayer, you know, Halo or whatever, where you like play the round and then you go back to the lobby and like you can kind of like segment those times a little bit in your head. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've, you know, maybe played 10 rounds or whatever. And then it's like, oh, that's actually a long time. Mm-hmm. But if you're playing those games where there is nothing that tracks your time. You just don't even know. Yeah. You, you don't look up. You're like. If I'm not eating or going to the bathroom, whatever, like that time is endless. Well, that's how TikTok works. Mm-hmm. It works just keeping you there as, as as much as possible. And I was listening to a podcast this weekend while I was running, and it was about the Chinese version of TikTok. TikTok not allowed in China. They have a Chinese yeah. version of it. They have just Chinese social media. It most everything's just WeChat in China. Mm-hmm. So there's no Facebook or anything like that. No Google, none of that. It's all Chinese owned and operated. Mm-hmm. And their version is there will be, it'll make you stop every so often for five seconds. Just to like consider that? And just to at least break it up and make you realize, hey, you've been here for a while. And not only that, for kids, they turn it off, I think from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Wow. So you can't be on it at night. That is wacky. There's business hours for it. And yet you see the value. Where it's like, that's actually probably a good idea. But then, like, what if I want the freedom to do whatever I want? You know, like, and that's, like, the difference. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying communist China is the 
shining example of where <laughs> the world should go. Yeah. But there is merit to that. And that's something they're able to do because they control everything. Because they, they can. Turn it off for kids yeah. at night. That's pretty wild. So anyway. Anyway. Uh, internal podcasts. Just yeah. business business things. Talking about biz. Dogecoin, China, um, video games, Skyrim. Lots of very valuable content today. Do we have any questions? We do. Got a couple questions. I'm just, uh, you know, pulling around up. Good, good. Good stuff. Good. Well, thanks for everybody. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We're really happy you're here today with us. As Alex thumbs through his phone, on, trying to find on, some sorry. questions. Happy birthday to Eric Jumper. And isn't it, it's your birthday this week, too. My birthday is Wednesday. Wow. Well, happy birthday to Alex Horton. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lots of good stuff. Molly just had a birthday. Jake Pico. Did Jake Pico just have a birthday? He did. It was on Friday, and he was on the team call on Friday and didn't tell anybody about it. That son of a bitch. One of those guys. I but was not pleased. See, the whole birthday thing, it is an awkward position to be in because— Everybody, people say they don't like their birthdays because they don't like attention. I don't, I don't really subscribe to that. I think deep down every human, we have an itch that we like to be appreciated mm -hmm. and we like to feel special. Birthday is the one day of the year where you get to feel special. Yeah. So everybody likes it. Maybe it's not, you don't want people to sing happy birthday to you at Red Robin. I get that. <laughs> But everybody likes it. Yeah. Uh, but but it's also a tricky position to be in because you want people to know it's your birthday and you want to tell people because they find out three days later and you're like, well, dude, it was your birthday the other day and you didn't tell me? What the hell? And you and, and that person feels like an idiot. But then you also don't want to be that guy that's like, hey, so by the way, my birthday, like, Alex, how are you doing? Oh, well, tonight I'm, I'm going out for my birthday. Like, I don't... <laughs> How do you put it into a conversation to not be that guy that's always talking about their birthday? The the, the Michael Scott thing that he did, it was like early on the, the office and he calls his boss and says, hey, Jan, happy birthday. And she says, it's not my birthday. He's like, oh, I thought we had the same birthday. <laughs> and she waits a while. Happy birthday, Michael. He's like, Thank you. <laughs> um, you actually brought something up that I think would be interesting. So, um, just about like telling people about your birthday, it's like, well, you, people like to have people know it's their birthday maybe, but not like bring it up and talk about it. I think that I'm certainly the kind of person who might like not share, uh, you know, something that's going hard in my life. Cause like, what, what if that burdens somebody else by me telling them, mm -hmm. but on the same token would be hurt if another one of my friends had the same thing going on and didn't like bring that. Yeah. To me. Yeah. They'd be like, well, why, why wouldn't you? But yet I'm quick to be like, well, I don't want to burden somebody else with this. So I'll just deal with it myself. Um, and that was something I was talking about last week with my wife. And it's funny, like how there's like a funny, like birthday part of that. But like, that's exactly what I was talking about last week. Mm -hmm. um, anyway. Well, uh, if you're listening to this, this comes out Friday, correct? Mm -hmm. Alex's birthday was two days ago, everybody. It was two days ago. <laughs> happy birthday so, to me. So, so if you didn't wish Alex a happy birthday, make sure you do because yeah. it was two days ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, I'm a, thanks, I'm a Thanksgiving birthday I, guy. You I know. hope you get at least one happy birthday on Friday. Fingers after crossed. this comes out or this weekend. That would be great. Uh huh. We'll know who's listening. Uh, I got a question from Shauna that I think I'm actually going to... Shauna asked really good questions that are always not just... 
build it related, but like she the has world quite, great questions. And she also has just phenomenal LinkedIn posts across the board. Good old Shauna. Yeah. Bringing it. She says, we talk a lot about the biggest problems in the dirt world, um, which makes sense because we are working to solve them. What are some of the best things that are happening in the dirt world right now? Um, so she's trying to put like a optimistic yeah. spin on the current situation. <clears throat> uh, well, best things that are happening in the dirt world, everybody has more work than they know what to do with. That's pretty cool. Everybody's making a lot of money. That's pretty cool. Everybody's buying new equipment. Caterpillar can't keep anything in stock. That's pretty cool. Infrastructure bill just got passed. Potential for hundreds of billions of dollars injected in the industry. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, just the U.S. economy is really expanding. So there's new subdivisions and waterline projects and big Amazon boxes. I don't know how much, like how Amazon's doing it. It's a little <laughs> scary, but they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all good news. That's all great news. The infrastructure bill put infrastructure into the headlines for two months, for better or for worse. So people were at least thinking about the importance of infrastructure what a concept. Mm-hmm. I think that's great news. Um, heavy equipment in the industry is just cool in general. Like I just went to that event with the Phoenix Children's Hospital, uh, the big dig for kids that that Randy's a big part of. Yeah. Just to see how excited these kids were to run heavy equipment. So cool. We're not promoting something that sucks here, everybody. We're promoting something that, I mean, for those few minutes those kids were in the machines changed their life and was all that they could really think about rather than I have cancer and I'm in a hospital right now. No, it's, they were just thinking about digging dirt and having a damn good time doing it. Mm -hmm. That is spectacular. And that is a world that I am so happy to be a part of and that I want to tell as many people in my life and society about as I can, because it's a fantastic place. So yes, it's screwed up. Yes. We're number one for suicide and there's very little work-life balance and we have this big recruiting problem and culture sucks and there's no women in the industry and diversity sucks and so on and so forth. Lots of problems. But I am so optimistic about the industry because it's a special place with special people. We do special work. The rest of society depends on us. We're in a really, really good position right now. Damn. I mean, you know... I think we do spend a lot of time trying to both solve and identify like issues in the industry that, you know, our, our partners bring to bring to us or that we we see as a trend among our partners or just the greater, greater industry at large. Um, but I think we probably don't do a good enough job um, recognizing like the industry wins. You know, I think we... We do try to figure out ways to do that within BuildBit itself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, we're obviously stressing about, um, not stressing, but just like spending a lot of brain power on, um, you know, this like upcoming investment period, you know, how we're going to grow our teams and where we're going to need to, like, there's obviously a lot of moving pieces there can be very complicated. And yet we're still like, we've got that props channel that's been like awesome. Like similar to the core core value award thing. It's like, yeah, I'm reading every single one of the posts that's on there. Yeah. And I think in this, in a way like for the industry, it's probably pretty valuable if we're able, we're able to 
talk about the those kind of big, really great things that are happening for the industry too. Totally. Um, just because we're constantly like in the the weeds, I'm like, all right, all of our partners struggling to get enough people, so let's focus on that. Well, and the whole timing thing is really important. Like the whole luck thing is really important. So luck is really important. I, the whole you can work hard and do anything in life, total nonsense. It's a really fun concept to think that, wow, I am in control of my destiny, period. And I can go do anything I want in my life, period. It's nonsense. Mm -hmm. It's nonsense. I learned that in engineering school. We've talked about it. I got my ass beat in electrical engineering. I'd never worked harder in my life in school, period. Worked my ass off and I got a D. And I was looking at that D, like I've never worked harder in a class before. And yet I've never gotten a shittier grade. I am not meant to be an electrical engineer. It is not just a factor of hard work. I'm just not, my brain is not wired for electrical engineering. That's like me. If I wanted to play in the NBA, what are my odds of playing in the NBA at you five, mean, six? You can work as hard as you can. It doesn't I can matter work really hard. I can shoot the hell out of baskets. I'm five, six. I am somewhat screwed from day one. Has someone that's five, six been in the NBA? I'm sure. I'm sure there's sure. some people, but yeah. the odds are very, very slim. For where we're at as a business right now, Timing-wise, we got pretty lucky. We got pretty lucky. So yeah, we're going to have to work really hard and and do our thing as a business. But if we were saying, hmm, let's bring a training product to the industry 10 years ago that's digital on iPads, I don't think that would have gone very well. The industry, they're actually ready for it right now. They're desperately ready for it. Mm -hmm. They need it. Our timing's pretty perfect on that. We're here at the right moment to capitalize upon this opportunity. And past training, we're going to help this industry digitize itself and build this digital community for the first time ever. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And we wouldn't have had that opportunity just a few years ago. And just a few years down the road, well, someone's already done it. We've already done it. Mm -hmm. But if it wasn't us, it would have been somebody else. We're not that smart. Somebody else would have seen it. And maybe else someone, we haven't done it yet. So someone else can very well they still go, could. Hey, man, this build what I do, that's fantastic. I'm just going to go do it on my own. And again, I'm going to go take my billion dollars and go do it a hell of a lot better because yeah. I know they don't have a billion dollars. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So just from a timing perspective, luck perspective, I think our business is in a really good position to make an enormous difference in the industry and really make the dirt world a better place because we're at a time in history where the dirt world really needs and we're here to help it. Yeah. And it's finally starting to look itself in the mirror and say, we need to do something different here. And just a few years ago, even when I started the company, the industry wasn't there. And the industry's still not entirely there, but it's there enough for us to start pushing it in the right direction. One thing that I've, you're, what you're saying makes me think about, I think maybe the first, maybe like team call we had talking about just our, uh, further foray into software. Um, Dan made a comment that was like, since BuildWit has started, we've always known we want to make a serious impact on the industry. Mm -hmm. And what that impact would be was not always very clear, but it was like, we know that we can and we will, but we don't know what like the, the big thing is that's going to really drive that. Yeah. And so when, when the uh, like training software thing kind of came up and was like, oh, that's, that's what we should be spending our time and money on that. It was like, Oh, that's 
that's our first huge big swing that makes a serious impact on the industry. Mm-hmm. And you're right, like a lot of that is timing. And it's also been, we tried a bunch of other things that didn't make the impact we maybe thought it would. Well, and that's why Dan and I get worked up when people say, well, you, you just keep changing. And uh, you, you keep changing everything. And, and we sit there and, and we think, we're like, no, no, no. Um, from the beginning, our, our mission has been to make the dirt world a better place. That hasn't changed. That's the purpose of our business. And I've, I've said this more and more. The purpose of our business was not to go build the best creative agency in the dirt world, period. No. That's, a, that's one way to help make the dirt world a better place. But that wasn't ever the end-all, be-all, mm-hmm. ever. Correct. Ever. And so we're still going to be doing creative work, but now, hey, we can do training. And now we can go build a, a digital platform. And now we can expand upon the services we're offering. So now, now we don't just offer marketing, but we could potentially be doing recruiting as well to all serve the mission. So yeah, how we serve that mission and what we do to serve that mission, that changes. I mean, it's really the what. That's changed. And that's how companies adapt and companies last is they have to change that what because the world is changing. Yeah. Ha- companies have changed with it. But why has not changed and it won't change. So there you go. I think that's, you're, you're putting really good language to that because I think the way our company has changed since I've been on board, I think is a pretty good analog for like the way that you yourself ha- have have changed and how you kind of started the business before it was a, a business before it was a company it was sort of a business you were doing and before that it was just you posted pictures of stuff you liked on Instagram under mm-hmm. build it um, but you know time and time again you know I, I've brought this up to you on my first phone call with you you spoke about photography as like a, a means to a, a bigger thing for yeah. you. So it's like, I, I like photography and I like taking photos of, you know, equipment out in the field. But you're like, my goal, you were very clear that like your goal for build it is not so you can take more and more cool pictures of more and more cool stuff. That might be like a result or a, a, a symptom of the broader impact that build is going to make. But you weren't like, man, I just can't wait till I can take even more photos. No. And so I think that's really similar to build it because it's like, no, the, the mission here is to make the dirt what a better place. It's not to make our partners just make more money, which like, that's certainly part of our business and that's how we're going. But like, that's, that's not the point of build it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think you're right. Like the more that we um, hammer home, even if some people in the industry will mock that, like the more we hammer home, we are working to make the dirt what a better place. That is the point of this. And so I think the more we hold strong to that idea, the more that we say like, no, this, this is why we're doing this. I think the more that the people who push back against that, it's like, yeah, right, fine. Move on. We don't need you. You're yeah. not part of that. No, yeah. we just need to focus on those that are on board. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's why I think I've been able to scale the business as effectively as I have is because I'm not, I'm not one of these business owners that has my identity wrapped up in like being the guy that takes the pictures, for example. Yeah. I don't need to be the guy that takes the pictures because that wasn't the goal. I didn't go create BuildWit to be the guy that takes pictures. I created BuildWit to go leave a mark on the industry. 
And yeah, beginning was pictures. And yeah, I still take pictures because I enjoy it. But I've also had to give up a lot of what I used to do. I don't have a lot of control. And that's, I've seen this a lot lately is I'm seeing people that are struggling a little bit to give up what they used to be doing mm-hmm. or to go where they say they want to go. Um, I've had to do that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot over the past year, especially like, for example, I used to manage the schedule for the content teams. I knew everything yeah. about every, like what Chell, what Angel, what Eric, whatever <laughs> we were doing. Yeah, <laughs> At yeah. that point, that was all there was. Yeah, but I did that for the first two years of the company. And six months ago, whatever it was, we transitioned it to, hey, it needs to be, like, I don't need to be involved in this anymore. That's pretty scary. Like now, I kid you not, I go to Instagram to figure out where the hell Chell is or Angel <laughs> is or Eric is. Because I, I just, I don't know. No idea. I don't know. And it's not relevant to me anymore. I don't need to know that. I just need to worry about me. And I have other things I need to worry about. And in turn, they, they're not, hey, why do you have that call with that lawyer this, this afternoon? They don't have to worry about that. That's not their gig. And, and even from an information standpoint, we've, you know, I've seen people, I've just observed it, where people, they get uneasy because they're not involved in something. Or there's, they don't have the information. Yeah. <sighs> Newsflash. You're not going to have the information. You're going to have an increasingly smaller amount of the information as the company scales. That's just a fact. You're going to be involved in an increasingly smaller amount of decisions and an increasingly smaller percentage of the company. Mm-hmm. Now, your impact could grow substantially and you could be doing much more, but your involvement and your ability to touch everything, that's going away with how we're scaling this business. Mm-hmm. And I've had to accept that first. And so I've had to give up as much as I can because my why, the purpose was not to go do this or be Mr. Businessman or lead all these people or control the decision, whatever it's, no, it's, I'm just here to make the dirt world better. And I will do whatever I need to do to make that a reality. So if that means give up things, or that means not make these decisions or not be involved or maybe not do stuff that's fun. Like, you know, this whole group of people, probably 50 people went on these do razor rides, you know, a few weeks ago in Utah. And I'm in the middle of trying to figure out this whole equity deal. I can't, I can't go razor riding in Utah. That's not always fun to give up. I would have had a blast, but at the same time, no, I need to stay focused here. Um, so as we grow and scale, just bear that in mind. There's just no way everybody's going to know everything. There's no way everybody's going to be involved. There's going to be a lot that's going on all around you that you're not going to have influence over. And that's just a reality. That's where I'm at right now. And it's a little spooky at first, but that's where I need to go to get to where I need to go. Amen. Uh, Before we wrap it up, can you uh, talk for just a second, um, kind of as a preview for next week's uh, full team meeting here in Nashville? Yeah, we've talked about it a little bit, but the goal of next week's team meeting One, clarity. That's the word I have in my mind. That's the theme, clarity. I want everybody to walk out of that meeting and know, okay, that's where BuildWit's going. And this is my role in that, in that journey. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's really what I want to accomplish is where are we going as a business and what is everybody's role and making that a reality. What part do they play? 
That's it. And we haven't had that. Mm-hmm. And we've wanted to desperately give everybody that over the past few months. But the truth is we haven't known. It's been a lot of months of continuously challenging and rethinking and coming up with the plan and then tearing up the plan and going in a different direction. And it's been a lot of, a lot of work behind the scenes. And I was reading something the other day. It's like a lot of my job now is not doing, but thinking that's all I've done for three months is just think and think and think and Dan and Randy. I mean, and then leadership, I mean, we've just been thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. So we haven't been, we've still been doing a lot, but we've really been trying to beat up this plan to get it to a point where, okay, now we can, we can get everybody on board here. Mm-hmm. Now the time is right. So clarity one, and then two, build relationships. I cannot stress enough how critical this is for the next six months of our business to build relationships with one another, personal relationships with one another. Over a computer screen, you can only do so much. We're in person as a group together twice a year, twice a year. Yeah, you can have fun. Yeah, you can screw off. But don't waste a single minute of this meeting. Don't waste any time because you are going to need those relationships. I promise you with whatever you're going to be doing, you're going to need as many of those relationships as you can get. So spend as much time as possible meeting with your team, getting that clarity, but also people that you maybe have no interaction with on a day-to-day basis. Like, you know, you in, in Alan, for example. Okay, Alan's over in software. He's doing his thing. And I don't know if I, Alan might be one of the few that's that's not there. Just an example. Yeah. But it's like, who are those people that I would never normally interact on a, on a daily basis? How can I get to know them better? I think that's that's just hugely valuable. How can you leverage this team meeting to just get as much FaceTime with people as you can, to get to know people as much as you can? Because it's it's critical. It's critical mm-hmm. to our next few months. We we can't do what we're we're gonna what we want to do without those those relationships. So clarity and form relationships with one another. Boom. That's what we need to do at the team meeting. Looking forward to it, man. Um, I mean, coming out of all of these team meetings that we've had the, through the last year, the, when we had in this office a year ago when it was just a room. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the way that we had grown from there to the one we had in the summer. Um, but coming out of both of those, I mean, there was just like, all right, I got, I have a better understanding of what I'm supposed to do and kind of how that fits into everybody. And I've, you know, been able to kind of pour into a lot of these relationships that I've been making over the phone mostly or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think this, the one next week is going to be e- e- even better. You know, we have a, a few more people than we did in the summer. But for the most part, it's mostly the same crew. And so it's, I think it'd be interesting to see kind of just what the difference of um, environment is just on what we've done and changed and grown in in the last six months. Yeah. No, and I, um, we're going to be coming out of this meeting in a really good place. Yeah. In a really good place, at least I believe. And like me, Dan, and Randy, we're in a really good place right now. Good. And that's because we have the full picture. And we see, we see everything right now. And we haven't shared that with everybody yet. I mean, everybody knows bits and pieces, but we haven't had an opportunity to just lay it out from A to Z 
And that's what we're going to be doing team meeting. We're just laying, here's the complete picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is going to be really cool. And then just like me personally, terrible social anxiety. I hate social events. Sure. I, I don't like talking to people. <laughs> I, I just, I want to be under my rock and have nothing to do with anybody. But I love being with this team because, and especially if you're one of those people that's a little bit newer, just keep in mind, we are really serious about the whole values thing. This group of humans, we all come from totally different places, all have totally different beliefs a lot of time, but we all value the same things. We all really care for one another. We all want to be a friend. We all want to do what's right. We, we, we have this common operating system that we've acknowledged and we've said that, yeah, I can get behind that and I can live that every day. Mm-hmm. And that makes it a hell of a lot more exciting to be with a group of people when you have that level of comfort. That's, this is a, this is a safe place because yeah. I know these people believe in what I believe in, in that value sense, not, you know, I know everybody here voted for who I like. It's not like that. Yeah. Um, but that's at least why it's so exciting for me as much of a introvert as I am, because I know that this group of people, we're all fighting for the same thing. We all believe in a similar set of values and we're all there to, to do what we need to do at the end of the day. Hell yeah, man. Thanks for going in on that. Um, just setting a little preview for next week. Um, if you've got nothing else, I think that's an internal podcast, my friend. That's an internal podcast. Went a little long today, but I think we're in a good spot. Yeah. Cool. That's what editing's for. That's true. That's why I'm here. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, as always, if you have questions or thoughts, send them over to Mr. Alex at buildwit.com and we will see everybody after Thanksgiving. Heck yeah. Woo-hoo. See y'all. See ya.